the most important thing that an organization can do is to ensure that they have a trusted and reliable source of information and then pass it down to their workforce. And then for the organization to have contingency plans in place so that you're not having to react, you're having to take careful action based on proper prior planning. Welcome to the Rain Insights on COVID-19 podcast. I'm Emily Donahue. Let's listen as Rain founder David Lawrence speaks with doctors Fred Southwick and Bill Lang for our weekly coronavirus update. Bill, Fred, as always, thanks for sharing time uh, with us. Uh, I know you've been busy reviewing the data on um, the new variants, Omicron, and some of the data coming out of South Africa, etc., um, as well as data here in the United States. What can you tell us? Well, as we start talking about this, I think it's important for everybody to think of the, and I think I said this last week also, but I'll say it again, the three dimensions of consideration of any new infectious disease, including this, and that's how the infectivity of it, the severity of the disease that it causes, and how well do our mitigation tools work against it. So as we think about Omicron, you really have to think about all of those, because if if any one of those uh, is are we strong in that area? Then the other two are not that as, as as important. And why that's important is what we are seeing about Omicron is that it is spreading very fast in South Africa, at least. That's the only place that we have really good data on spread. There's some indications that it may be starting to spread rapidly um, in Canada. It's not spreading rapidly in the United States, um, but there's but we still let's just assume that it spreads rapidly. Well, that's what all of the media latches on, you know, this this incredibly infectious, rapidly spreading disease. And this is going to be the the, the worst wave yet until you get to point two of the paradigm, which is severity. And it doesn't seem to be as severe. The data is still early, and Fred may have some comments on that, but it doesn't seem to be severe. If this spreads rapidly, but it's a bad cold, or maybe even little, maybe even worse than a bad cold, but it doesn't, it's not killing large numbers of people, then are we really all that worried about it? So and then the, um, the third point being the, the mitigation tools, vaccinations, antivirals, um, the general public health measures that we take, and monoclonal antibodies. And uh, on all three, we're getting reasonable, reasonably decent news. With vaccinations, the, uh, it, it appears that two doses are not real strong against Omicron. But if you get a third dose, then it brings you back to the same, it appears, again, early data, appears to bring you back to the same level of protection as we had against the, with the first two doses against the original, uh, the original wild-type virus. But you get that third dose, and you're just you're that third dose, and you're you're good to go. Um, with the monoclonal antibodies, there's a lot of concern about the monoclonal antibodies no longer being infectious, effective. But earlier this week, uh, GlaxoSmithKline said that their particular monoclonal antibody actually was fairly efficacious. It's not quite as good, but it's still efficacious against. Omicron. And then lastly, the, um, the antivirals that are right on the verge of being released. Um, the, for the uh, Pfizer antiviral, they've said that it, they don't see any significant difference in Omicron versus the earlier variants, including Delta. 
So that will probably, in all likelihood, be approved right around the end of the month and go into uh, mass distribution early in January. So those are the, the three dimensions that I tend to look at and try to use that as the framework for thinking about this. Yeah, Bill, I, I, I agree with your entire summary. And I just amplify a few of the points. Um, first of all, uh, the contagiousness, how rapidly does it spread? Uh, where it looks like it's twice as infectious as Delta. So that would mean a reproductive rate as high as 10. And actually, there was uh, a case in New York City at that conference where uh, one person infected, I think, 15 people. So that whether, whether they all have the Omicron, it's not really clear. But the very steep curve, and actually it's also taking off in the United Kingdom right now, and there the doubling time for cases is every uh, two to three days. So that's a very, very steep curve as it is in, in South Africa. So I think there's no question that it is more contagious. Um, and so it will readily spread. It's highly likely it's spread uh, via aerosol. And so any closed spaces that are not well ventilated. Uh, and if you're in a room with somebody that's infected, you will become infected. Now, the second issue is uh, disease severity. And we I talked about this last time. And so far, my original assumption or prediction that it was not as virulent as the Delta or the previous strains is holding true. That is, I, I've not found, I'm sure there must be uh, some hospitalizations, but that, for instance, in pediatrics, all the children that are hospitalized who are COVID positive or SARS-CoV-2 positive on testing are there for other reasons. And it's just found out accidentally or fortuitously. Uh, many of them don't have any symptoms at all. And then if you see the cases that have uh, arisen in the U.S. so far, the one just was reported today in Tampa, Florida, and uh, the patient has a very mild cold. And all the cases so far have been very mild in the U.S. I have not found, if you look at the curves for uh, cases versus deaths in South Africa, uh, with the Delta, at this point in the curve, there were a significant number of deaths. So far, the curve, South African curve, there are a lot of cases and no deaths reported. And the WHO said there were no deaths, but I suspect there are one or two. And maybe, Bill, you can correct me on that. Right. The, the data that I've seen is uh, that the death rate with Delta was about 1.4%. And that's un unvaccinated people. The death rate in uh, with Omicron is less than 0.1%. In other words, right around the same rate that you see with flu. Of the U.S. data, just putting some numbers on it, the 42 cases, I'm, I, it's 41 reported last night. I'm adding the one that, that Fred just talked about in Tampa. And of those 42, only one has been hospitalized, and that person was hospitalized for two days and then discharged, never had an oxygen requirement. Um, of the 14 cases at the um, Anime, and however you say that, Anime, anime Convention in right, New York? Right, right, yes. Um, not a single one had a, a bad outcome. Um, one person said, quote, they had a bad day. 
uh, but they did not need hospitalization. And at the Christmas party in Norway, this was the first big super spreader event where over half the people at the party, 120 people over, over 60 that tested positive, and they believe almost all of them are Omicron, not a single one is hospitalized. Um, so all of that looks like is the again it's looking really good and as a saying i think i may have said this last week but one of the best sayings i've heard come out of all of this is the the plural of anecdotes is not data so um um we these we're still at the anecdote stage for the most part yeah i agree and then the third issue is how protective is the vaccine and they uh there have now been some serum neutralizing uh antibody studies coming out of South Africa, and Pfizer apparently has some too, although I haven't seen this, the raw data. I did see the raw data in the South African, and they think it's around 40 cases. And they found that uh, two, the two shots, very low neutralization titers, probably not protective. But if that individual had had a COVID-19 infection and had two vaccines, they were in a highly protective range. So that fits with what Pfizer's saying is if you have the two vaccines plus a booster, which would be equivalent of a natural uh, of, of an infection and two boosters, you are protected. So I think the, the, the message is in order to be protected from this relatively mild so far uh, infection, uh, you do need a booster. And one of the questions that that raises for people is if it's so mild, why do I need to do anything at all? And that's that's becoming a concern. But uh, we don't know enough to say that it's to be confident, 100 percent confident that it's mild and you don't want to wait until it's too late. So that's why I'm encouraging boosters. I agree with you, Bill. We really don't know. Uh, There haven't been I mean, that one uh, um, outbreak of elderly in, in that party in Norway is encouraging, but it's still a really small series. Um, those that are, have underlying diseases and are elderly, um, it's po- it's very possible that those patients, uh, them, some of them may become critically ill. So I, I, I don't think we can just say, oh, don't worry about it as yet. We're going to need a lot more data before we can be confident of that possibility. So let me uh, jump in because um, companies um, have to provide a very clear message to their employees. We have spoke to some of the heads of federal agencies. There's right now not a unified message that the federal government is putting out to their employees. And then you have um, various city agencies. You have the enactment of um, vaccine requirements. What is the takeaway in terms of messaging? Because again, the, the clicks and the eyeballs, and there's a lot of sensational reporting, a lot of misreporting, and a lot of people who are selling things. Uh, what is the takeaway message that should be communicated to people about the current state of play, um, the severity and of new variants, the likelihood of variants to come, and the efficacy of the vaccines. And related to that, I'd like to pose a question. It appears, I'm just listening very closely, and of course what's, what, what the data is starting to show, it sounds like the term fully vaccinated, that that is a definition that may soon, if not already, have expanded 
to include a third uh, shot, a third booster. David, there's a lot of, of uh, reticence to require the booster uh, as a to be considered fully vaccinated. I mean, the the, the controversy and the, the uh, animus that has been created by having a mandatory two shot alone is is tough. And I think there's a lot of concern about adding on another mandate, um, even though when you get right down to it, if someone's already decided to get two, they might as well get the third because they've already kind of gone through the risks for the most part um, of getting it. And now if you don't get the third, are you going to be foregoing whatever benefits that you got from the or a large portion of the benefits that you got from the, the first two? So I think it's going to be very debatable. One of the biggest issues is going to be, can you include a prior infection with COVID, with SARS-CoV-2, counting as one of as a shot. If you can provide a, a a record that yes, you had COVID, you had COVID at some point, does that count as your third shot, wherever it may be? I, I personally think that it probably should, because that's what we're seeing with Omicron. We've seen with Delta even that that immunization plus disease gives you more, much more robust immunity. And I think Fred may have some thoughts on that one. Yeah, I agree with you. And that's what the South African data showed is if you had two vaccines and you had, they did a, a serum, uh, an antibody level against uh, the nuclear uh, protein, and which is not in the vaccine. So they could, if it was positive, that meant you got an infection rather than it was due to the vaccine. And those that were positive, they had very high titers, protective titers. Those that were negative and had two vaccines they had a lower titer. So I think this, uh, if at least for the Omicron, uh, this proves that having an infection uh, will be beneficial and, and render you more uh, protected from the infection. And there's no reason to believe, uh, not to believe the same thing would be true um, uh, for uh, any, any strain of the virus. So I, I think that I would, I would count, if you document they have a, truly had an infection, and then you get two shots, I think you're very well protected. And with regards, just the one thing, with regards to mandating the booster, I agree with Bill. I would not, I was all for mandating the first two shots. I'm not for the third shot because if you're vaccinated, one of the things they're seeing is when you get the booster, the antibodies rise to peak levels within seven days of the booster, which means if you get infected, you're probably going to have a major rise in antibodies very, very quickly, actually within a range that will be partially protective um, and you will should not get, it's unlikely you will get critically ill. So the booster is a little bit of a luxury and I do not think we should mandate it. But David, you had asked, your, your question was, what do we need to be telling people, organizations at this point? And, and I think that don't get caught up in, right now in the United States at least, don't get caught up in the Omicron uh, hysteria. 42 cases. Yes, that number is going to get bigger. But it's probably, even if it has a doubling rate of two days, um, if you just do the math on that, we're going to get through the holidays before Omicron becomes a major player in the U.S., um, I, I think it probably will. I mean, everything we know about it, there's no, there's nothing to stop it. It probably will become a major player in the U.S., but th that's not guaranteed. So through the holidays, you need to be thinking about Delta. Delta is still out there. We are seeing, you know, the case counts are up 
primarily due to two things. One is the the when you're more than six months out from your primary series vaccination, the first two shots or the or uh, the one shot with Pfizer, and it's even shorter for Pfizer, um, you're probably at risk for getting infected. Not not at risk for getting serious disease, but at risk for getting infected. And that's what we're seeing. Plus the Thanksgiving holiday. I think all of the travel, the family gatherings, the all of those things, I think that did contribute. Now we're seeing it's looking like it's probably peaking out again, only that only to go back up again with the with the um, the Christmas holidays and the other end of year holidays. So um, I think right now, organizations need to be thinking about about Delta and the one that we actually do know something about and take your actions based on that. I agree, Bill. And Delta is very dangerous. Uh, I think it's the worst strain we've had because it is so contagious and it causes very serious disease. And virtually all the cases of Delta that are hospitalized uh, are in those that are unvaccinated. So uh, that's why I feel uh, a company wants to save their employees and not lose employees. Uh, they should strongly, strongly encourage the two the two shot vaccination to protect against Delta. And yeah, in Wisconsin, uh, at least, and that's just an example, they're running at 120% of capacity um, in hospitals in all their major urban areas. And um, they, the, again, anecdotally, the docs are saying it's almost all unvaccinated people that they're seeing. So vaccines make a huge difference. From an organizational standpoint, a lot of companies are still looking at their plans for return to office. I think there, there's a large number of organizations that, well, some that, have already, that are already back in office and others that are looking at plans for very early in the new year to go back into office. Um, I do feel very strongly that if you, that if you do not have a fully vaccinated um, office, you, there is is risk of transmission in a fully vaccinated office. You, there's still some risk of transmission, but it's a what you're really worried about is a risk to your workforce. You probably don't have a significant risk of um, super spreader events or having people get real get very ill. So relatedly, is this a situation? This is the big question that people are wondering about. Are we now in an environment where um, we will continue to hear about a new strain, a new variant uh, from time to time. And if so, I think part of the messaging here and, and what I'm hearing you guys say is if you've taken appropriate precautions, you're double vaccinated, etc., you've done enough to protect yourself from hospitalization, serious illness, death, assuming you don't have pre-existing conditions, and I understand that's not a guarantee. The third, taking a third shot is one additional layer of protection. Uh, but what's interesting is that the announcement about, you know, the newest variant came on, uh, I think, uh, on the evening of Thanksgiving. It snuck up on people on Friday. There was a great deal of panic, and I appreciate both Bill, you and Fred's explanation that you don't want to overreact to this and that, you know, so far what we're seeing here are um, illnesses that are not severe. Um, and so my question is, is this the new environment? Do the people who are running organizations within the private or public sector also have to do a better job socializing with their workforce? 
that these things will continue to come up and it is important to get information uh, from reliable sources and we'll be monitoring and we'll be obviously assessing what else people can do or we should be doing on your behalf to protect you. But in any event, um, people should not think that, you know, we've come to an end of the road. And I'd love to get your views whether this is, as they say, in, you know, in business, is this the new normal? David, I go back to the, um, the very first, I don't know whether it was a podcast or, or speaking that I did on this at the very beginning of, uh, of COVID back in February or March of, of last year. And what I said then was the most important thing that an organization can do is to ensure that they have a trusted and reliable source of information and that that information is, is vetted to the greatest extent possible and then passed down to their workforce because the workforces cannot just rely on the, the mainstream media because you have to look at what the, the – and I use that term very broadly, but, but the media because what they're looking for is a way to drive eyeballs. And um, if it bleeds, it leads. So you really need some. You need a good, trusted source of information. But is is this the new normal? Um, I think you know if you look historically, every seven to ten years, we have some type of uh, infectious disease outbreak. Um, not every one of them has been has been significant, but they're not all trivial either. So I think that having a mechanism to be able to follow what's going on in the world, to make recommendations to your organization, and then for the organization to have contingency plans in place so that you're not having to react uh, totally, that you're, you're having to have, take careful action based on, on proper prior planning. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with Bill. Uh, if you look at the two recent variants, uh, India, the, De the Delta variant came out of India, the vaccination rate was 10% at the time it originated. So when you have a population where the virus is continuing to spread, then you have more and more hosts that are, that are carrying the virus. There's more reproduction of the virus. There's more likely to be a, a variant, a mutation that's a gain of function, and then that takes over. Similarly for South Africa, as we mentioned uh, last week, is under 30% vaccination rate at the point that the Omicron showed up. So another takeaway message is we are only as good as the weakest link in the world. That means we, it is in our best interest to make sure that all countries are vaccinated as quickly and as, as possible. So what both of you, and just uh, on a concluding point, what you both seem to be saying, obviously, a trusted source of information is paramount, but you also seem to be saying that from a perspective of continuity and resiliency, we have to be prepared uh, for additional events, and that means not just a bill as a source of information. But Fred, I know in your leadership at the hospital, that also sounds like you have to have people who are prepared, you have to have the necessary equipment. And uh, I would argue the government has to play a critical role in making sure that there are companies who are standing by ready and funded appropriately 
to develop new vaccines if that if that is what is needed. Exactly, and that's why the the the. I don't know how the best way to put it, the developed world that has a very strong medical research, uh, pharmaceutical research capability has led the way on this. And Fred, yeah, I think we're, we're very, very lucky that we have the mRNA vaccines that can be adjusted very quickly if needs be. At this point, it looks like a booster be, will be sufficient to protect against the Omicron, but maybe not. And we do have that capability actually to adjust a booster to, that's customized for that particular variant. And so in the future, uh, there are highly likely to be new variants. I hope they're not as aggressive as the last two, uh, but uh, there we, we do have the technology to address them uh, very quickly and very effectively. And the other thing I, I'm really encouraged by, particularly the Pfizer antiviral uh, agent, which can be taken orally. Once that's released, that will add a new weapon that will be very, potentially very effective at producing hospitalizations and reducing the likelihood of death from this virus. So Fred and Bill, if I can just add an editorial comment, what you're also underscoring is the importance of cooperation between the private and public sector. And that uh, irrespective of where you are politically, irrespective of uh, how you feel about corporations and drug companies and pharmaceutical profits and capitalism writ large. What has occurred here, um, obviously in the wake of a terrible pandemic and a lot of tragedy, there are some positive uh, events that have occurred that can highlight our capabilities to respond share information that is in fact reliable and trustworthy, develop vaccines at unprecedented rates that are not only effective but safe, and also to develop the data that we need to quickly respond. And so on that editorial note, I want to thank both of you for your continued public service, not just in what you're doing you know, outside of this podcast, but obviously in sharing your perspectives and your information. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. Dr. Bill Lang is an expert in public health responses to biological incidents, including pandemics. Dr. Fred Southwick is an infectious disease specialist at the University of Florida College of Medicine. Both doctors are part of the RAIN Expert Network. Individuals and organizations turn to RAIN for risk intelligence that cuts through the hype to focus on what they need to know, what to expect, and what to do. Sign up for our coronavirus solution. Visit us at rainnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E network.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.